Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Hey, 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 everybody. It's Cheryl Bryant Bruce, MD. You know me, the celebrity doc. And I am here with my show host, my co host, Hisham Elamati, Hurricane H. And you are here on Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. This is our, our runaway talk show that's here to educate, inform, and entertain you. And tonight we have two guests. Uh, our first guest is a person that is near and dear to me in whom I entrust my very life, uh, Dr. Toscano from UC Davis Medical Center, oncologist extraordinaire, and a man with a very big brain. So, Dr. Toscano, if you can introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, and then you have some exciting news about some exciting new developments in the world of cancer. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, this is a great, great uh, forum and show. Um, just about myself, I'm a uh, medical oncologist, and I um, I was uh, actually born and raised in California and, and trained mostly at the National Institutes of, of Health as an immunologist and an oncologist there, um, and um, under the tutelage of actually Anthony Fauci. He was my mentor. Um, really? Yeah. And then came back here and joined the faculty about 24 or 25 years ago. And ever since joining the faculty here at UC Davis, I've focused on blood cancers, and that's leukemia, lymphoma, and multiple myeloma, and stem cell transplantation. And so that's what I do. And currently, I I, I run that department um, here at the at the university. Do a lot of um, patient care, um, and I do a lot of teaching and research. And the research really involves um, developing new therapies and then trying them in patients with cancer, many of those patients who have failed all the standard treatment approaches. So um, so a lot of a lot of different hats here at the university, but I do uh, I do enjoy it and it is very fulfilling. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So what made you get into oncology? Was there some life experience that uh, did you have an experience with cancer or just uh, an interest in, in the research? What what made you do this? Um, that's a really good question. I know my other um, uh, family members and mentors when I was younger said, why would you want to go into oncology? It's a very depressing field, especially when mm -hmm. I went into it. Um, right. And really, really because um, of the need. There was a huge need for um, new, better 
um, and less toxic treatments. And so I just felt a need. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and my wife calls it a calling. Um, but but um, I just, if I was going to do research and dedicate my life to an area, I wanted to be in, in an area where there was a lot of need. So that mm-hmm. really motivated me. Excellent. And I mean, there really is such need and it's a growing need because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know if it's just our perception, but I do really believe that the numbers are dramatically increasing. And I mean, our world is changing. It's very toxic. And so there are a lot of reasons for cancer to be increasing, but at the same time, we're increasing in, in the, the therapies that we have available to manage it. Right. Yeah. So it is increasing. It's, it's because of we're an aging population. Um, so and it is a mostly a, a who's a, aging, not me. <laughs> Good one. Um, but um, yeah. Our, and so it is a disease of, of, of older individuals, although I do treat a lot of young people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and that increases our risk as we age for developing cancer. Um, and then some of the exposures as well. Um, are, are, are um, contribute to the development of cancer as well. So there's, there is more of it. And pe- uh, we're converting cancer into a chronic disease. Um, so patients are living longer with it. Um, so there is, there is a huge need for newer uh, treatments and less toxic treatments. I think cancer therapy's kind of gotten a bad rap in that it just makes you sick. And, and, um, and it's really changed a lot in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, A, I didn't know very many people who had cancer. It was something that was almost unheard of. But if someone got a cancer diagnosis, that was it. That was all. And they were going to die. And oftentimes, fairly soon. And now you have people that are living 10, 20, 30 years that are dying of things other than their cancer, like namely old age. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I have so many patients in my, in my clinic. Um, and um, it's really, a, a, it's, it's actually ch- difficult to change that mindset because a lot of people think oh, I have cancer. I don't want to get chemotherapy. It's just going to make me sick. And, and, um, but now we have these new amazing targeted therapies and, and immunotherapies and cellular therapies that um, are much less toxic that are curing people and keeping them alive. It's, it's really remarkable what's, what's happening in that world. And it's, and it's overflowing into other areas of medicine as well. Um, we call it now, there's a whole new field of precision medicine mm-hmm. um, that's, that's blossoming. So it's, it's a very exciting time. I kind of wish I was you know, a a youngster just getting into the field to see where it's going to go. But I I feel privileged to be in this in this field right now, just because there are so many exciting changes and what we can offer to patients that have this terrible disease. Now, let's talk about immunotherapy. Okay. Um, The reason I want to talk about that is because people uh, often ask me what it is. And our other guest, um, our celebrity guest was J. Anthony Brown, and he is not going to be able to, to join us uh, tonight. So we'll have to reschedule him. And J. Anthony does have leukemia, as do I. For those of you who do not uh, know, um, I am fighting the good fight and winning um, against leukemia. 
And one of the questions people will frequently ask me is, uh, are you doing uh, chemotherapy? And I mean, I've done kind of a different uh, course because I, I tend to be very holistic. And so I've done a lot of holistic stuff and I've had a lot of uh, practitioners who have supported me uh, in doing that. But at the same time, um, I did recognize the, the need um, for more traditional treatment as, as well. And I opted against the traditional uh, chemotherapies in lieu of uh, going a different route and taking the immunotherapy. And people were like, well, what does that mean? Because I still, I had infusions initially. So medication was being put into my veins and then I was on pills and now I'm not on anything. Um, but people did not understand why immunotherapy wasn't chemotherapy. And so, you know, trying to explain to them that indeed it is a form of, of chemotherapy in a sense. Um, it is a medication, but it isn't chemical therapy per se. Yeah. So it's, it, it is really an important uh, concept to, to understand, but, and this is the way I usually explain it to my patients is that um, our immune system is built to protect us, not only from infections, but also from cancer. And in fact, most of us are developing cancer since we were children. Um, mm -hmm. in our bodies and our immune system through a process that's called immune surveillance. Um, uh, these cells in our body that are designed to seek out and destroy cancer in the very early stages. And that's happening all of our life. And so why do we develop cancer eventually is number one is our immune system eventually fails and the cancer gets smarter by acquiring genetic abnormalities, probably through exposures to toxins um, uh, that some of us are exposed to and genetics and other factors, maybe infections that we don't understand. So the cancer gets smarter, our immune system gets weaker. And so finally it reaches a point where the, the immune system is weak, the cancer can overcome that immune system and the cancer takes hold and develops. Um, and so how do we fix that is that there's many different ways. Um, and one of the ways is through immunotherapy. So the immunotherapy can be um, a form of treatment that, um, that enhances your own immune system um, by, um, by using proteins and other molecules that will stimulate your immune system or redirect your immune system to the cancer. Um, or the cancer sometimes finds a way to shield itself, to try to tell the immune system that, hey, I'm not foreign, I belong here. And so if we can, if we can really expose that, um, that, that, that imposter, um, and we do that um, by exposing the markers on the surface that tell the immune system, I'm not supposed to be here. Um, so there's, again, either augmenting the immune system, stimulating it, redirecting it, um, kind of awakening the immune system we can give the patient a new immune system from a donor, and that's called an allogeneic transplant. And then now the most, the latest development is taking the immune so system out of the body and re-engineering it genetically, and then putting it back. And that's called cellular therapy, and that's FDA approved, and we do it on patients with <laughs> leukemia and lymphoma, and it's looking like it's gonna be curative. Um, so, so many exciting developments right now, and this is spilling over all this new technology to many diseases. 
not just in many forms of cancer mm-hmm. as well. So it's really an exciting time um, to be alive and to be now, practicing medicine and, and helping these patients. Now, here's a question. Um, because as we think about these things, we also have to think about the ethical implications of them. So, I mean, none of us want to die early if we can help it. And we want longevity. And not only do we want longevity, but we want to live good quality lives. These treatments are expensive. So they're going to put a drain on society and a society that, as you said earlier, is aging. So the wage earning society, the younger part, I look at it as a mushroom. You know, we've got uh, a big cap of boomers and beyond, and then a little tiny stem of younger wage earners. So does there become an ethical question when we're prolonging the lives of these older people that are getting these cancers, when they may not be taxpayers anymore, really, not wagers. Right. That is such an interesting topic. We could probably spend an entire hour on that one. And I'll just touch on it because, you know, like I said, I wish I had more time. But um, I just read an interesting article about Japan. And in mm-hmm. Japan, what's happening is that um, their the birth rate has gone way down to one, mm-hmm. one per couple. So their, their population right. is shrinking, especially right. the younger population. So now they're worried that there are not enough wage earners, not enough workers to support the older population in retirement. Right. Um, right. And I think the same thing's going to be happening here as well. So it's really an interesting topic. And, and the we have more and more aging population that are going to get cancer. The treatments are getting more expensive. Um, so yeah, where do you draw the line? And we were, we were, you know, we were touching on that earlier, this new cellular therapy where you re-engineer your immune system, it can cure you, but it's about a million bucks, um, minimum. (laughs) So, and who's your, it's FDA approved the insurance company's obligated to pay for it. Who's paying those premium. It's really all of us. Um, so, and all the way people that are working, um, so yeah, I I I don't know. You know, um, you know, you think yeah, you want to live forever, but can we? I mean, even yeah. if we had the and magic pill, I mean, what would happen? Well, the question for me becomes, you know, we do all want to live forever, but as a, a primary care physician and as a wellness manager, I mean, what, what I do, my, my practice is based in nutrition and, and fitness and it's lifestyle medicine, uh, prevention and optimization. The problem that I run into is people don't really want a quick fix. They want a pill. And I think that most people are not willing to put in the work it takes to truly be healthy. So if we are extending the lives of people that are getting chronic diseases, um, sometimes by choices of of their own, okay, so we cure their cancer, but they continue their lifestyle. What are we doing? 
That that is also a really interesting and important topic as well. We could spend another hour on that. <laughs> is, you know, should we should we put huge taxes on cigarettes or alcohol, right? Or mm-hmm. or or electric scooters? You know, because nobody's going to be walking anymore pretty soon, right? Um, right. Or you know, all the other things. Uh, so it's like uh, that the movie Wally, where you had all of the the, the big people that were big and they, their muscles and everything atrophied because uh-huh. everything was automated. They had the little <laughs> automated cars, they did everything. So they just kind of turned into large blobs that couldn't function uh, because right. they did nothing. Yeah. Or a hamburger, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love hamburgers, you know, yeah. um, it's true. It's so true. I mean, you know, uh, who should pay, who should pay for the, the, the cost of bad behavior, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. or behavior that is well known to limit our lifespan and to cause disease. That but that's a hard question because then it's like, who died and left you boss? You know, right. Who who made you God? Yes. Yep, you know? exactly. Right. So, yeah, it it's uh, it's really but it's it's interesting that a lot of people think, you know, don't tread on me. But mm-hmm. really, we're even if you're believing in the private sector. I mean, it's still socialized medicine because we're all paying insurance premiums. Right. And those insurance premiums are low or lower because Relative there are to the people cost. that take care of themselves and don't yeah. use the, the health care. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're really paying for the patients or the people that take don't take care of themselves. Right. Um, so it is a real it's really a socialization, whether it's private insurance, it's just you have a huge you know, expensive middleman, or whether it's a government covered, you Mm -hmm. know, insurance policy as well. So many Mm -hmm. interesting topics here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's really, there's a lot to to unwrap. Uh And it really does bring up more questions than answers, because we are gaining all of this new technology, we're gaining all of this new knowledge. And there does become the question of, what do we do with it? How do we use it? Who gets to control it and make the decisions as to who gets it? Because at the end of the day, we won't be able to afford to give it to everybody, especially as that mushroom stem shrinks and there are fewer and fewer taxpayers paying in to support the cost of of all of this. And I mean, you know, there are a lot of, quote, socialized medicine countries because everyone's like, oh, we want socialized medicine um, because they think that it's just this panacea where everything gets paid for. But there are a lot of countries that do have socialized medicine and they have very specific endpoints where at a certain point they say, nope, you're not eligible for care. Nope, you can't have that particular uh, treatment. And there's much crying and gnashing of, of, of teeth um, but it's accepted as the norm in those countries because that's the way it is and that's the way it's been understood. In this country, where we are spoiled, entitled, privileged, being told that we can't have something doesn't go over well. No, it it, it really doesn't. You're absolutely right. And where to draw the line is so challenging. Um, I have a I have a patient right now, 85 years old. She's pretty fit. Um, she has leukemia and, um, and we're, we're going nonstop to try and try and save her. 
you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to spend probably at least a couple hundred thousand dollars minimum. And we may mm-hmm. or may not be able to, to pull her through. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can see all the ethical dilemmas that, that are, right. are, are created by that scenario. Um, but, but again, then again, who, who gets paid the least in our healthcare system? Pediatricians. Um, you know, and um, there is the future. Yes, they are our future. So it seems a little backwards to me, but absolutely um, it does. Yeah. So, so many, so many interesting topics. I wish I had a little bit more time because they're really, you really do bring up some really good, um, good topics to, to, to discuss and debate. Uh, and I love this kind of stuff too. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to be the optimist. I, you know, I'm in here in the Me trenches. Too. I want to cure as many people as I can, but is that always the right thing to do? You know, I right. don't know. I, I, then, I, go ahead. I mean, there, there really is a component of it that has to belong to the person. Because I remember when I was first diagnosed, um, I was a little bit irritated about it because I was I was the one that the comprehensive cancer center sent their patients to to optimize their their lifestyle and I was I was walking my walk and and doing the things that should have prevented me from getting the cancer and then the leukemia I have I'm you know not the poster child for that leukemia and it's like well everyone was like well how did that even happen and I I was looking around at the cancer center the first day that I went in there and I thought to myself this is not going to be me and I told my godmother I'm like I'm looking around this cancer center and I said the majority of these people are going to lose their battles and she said well how do you know that I said because I'm looking in their eyes and I see that they already gave up. It's the person who doesn't give up, who fights the good fight that these treatments are going to benefit. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a very, that's another (laughs) really interesting and important topic, the will to live. And we have a little saying, we don't talk with patients directly, but we, we, we have this inner discussion about the will to live test. Did they pass the will to live test? Yes. That's interesting. That's an interesting topic. The other, the other one is, is that, so I, I focus in blood cancers and most blood mm-hmm. cancers strike indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's very little hereditary predisposition. There's very little known environmental exposures that lead to it. Um, at least it's unknown for the most part. For right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. For right now. Um, but, um, but anyway, very, very important and interesting topics. Um, so you have a you have a way of bringing out some really interesting. I, I can see why um, this show exists. You have a way of bringing out uh, important and really controversial um, and you know just relevant topics. Now here's a, a last question. I'm going to talk uh, to toss at you um, as far as relevant topics because we kind of don't know where cancer comes from, and I've always had uh, a theory that cancer is actually a virus that it's a, a a living entity what are your thoughts on that well i mean there are some cancers that that um that are caused by viruses but, mm-hmm. but and that's been well described and proven hpv um, hpv is one of them and there's a mm-hmm. virus that actually causes leukemia in southeast asia mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. much in the united states 
Um, there's a bacteria that causes lymphoma in the, in the stomach as well, H. pylori. But H. pylori. They're, they're, they're the vast minority. And, and, and also what's, what's happening is now we have this big database called the TCGA, um, the Cancer Genome Atlas. So there's mm-hmm. tens of thousands of patients where their entire genome is sequenced. And mm-hmm. we can analyze that and we are analyzing it. And there really isn't a lot of evidence that there are viral uh, DNA in those patients' cancers. Mm-hmm. But um, there, the one thing is, is that viruses and infectious um, 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 agents can manipulate the immune system and other components of the body to make our defenses weaker. And right. that is very difficult to, uh, let's say, measure or quantify or sometimes identify because our immune system is waxing and waning. And if the immune system is waning, even briefly from let's say an infection or ingestion or exposure, Mm -hmm. all of which can be extremely variable, waning a bit, the cancer just happens to acquire this this just right genetic um, abnormality from an exposure, boom, you get that foothold that can grow and overcome the immune system even if it's coming back from an infection. Mm -hmm. So there's so many variables. It makes it, um, um, it makes it really challenging, but we are understanding it better. And in fact, but, but, but in terms of understanding, is there a gene or a genetic abnormality that's caused by an infection? Those are the minorities, but it's probably other effects on our body and our immune system that contributes. Um, now, we all know that stress is a contributor. How, right. does stress, how does stress contribute? So that is, a, that is a really good question. Very, very difficult to answer. And this is why is because we in science, in medicine, in science, and you probably understand this very well, is that how do you measure it? In order to make, to fulfill what we call Koch's hypothesis, is that you have to have something that you can measure and quantify. How do you measure stress? It's, right. not, it's not that easy to measure and it's different for different people. So that's mm-hmm. the problem. So they have looked at, um, and, I, and I have to run, but they, they have looked yes. at certain populations that have generally lower stress. And those are some very religious populations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found re- reduced rates and then they had prayer groups and they've had they've seen reduced rates of some cancers or some diseases in those right. populations. And that's about the best indirect evidence um, of an effect of stress. But um, right. stress is just really, really difficult to measure. And that's the problem. But we all believe that there is an effect, no question. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Toscano, it has been fabulous having you with us. And I mean, we've opened up a, an entire yeah. Pandora's box with the, all of these questions. So we will have to bring you back so we can in, address them individually. Because I, I, like you said, I think we could talk on any one of them for hours on end. Yeah, these and, are so interesting and relevant. And and um, and I just, I, I really do enjoy talking about them. So and um, uh, just a great forum. So thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And you're welcome back anytime. Okay. I'd love to be back. Have a great evening and enjoy your your meeting. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night.
Well, he is an extraordinary doctor. And I mean, you can see his passion. And, uh, and he's like that all the time. Um, cancer is one of those areas, as he said, where it can be very depressing work because you do lose patients. And, um, you know, again, a, a large chunk of the patients will be lost because they don't have the will to live. They don't have the will to fight. Maybe they just don't have the strength, whatever it is. A lot of them, their game is lost when they get the diagnosis. A lot of people, you know, you give them the diagnosis and whereas the, the diagnosis should be a call to battle, they pull the plug before they even get on the field. And so with that person, it's, it's hard to, to fight it. And so he does lose patients. You know, he loses patients all the time. All oncologists do. And yet he's always that even. You know, doctor, I, uh, it's funny because um, I had a, a good amount of time to talk to him before actually the show. Mm -hmm. And we, we've touched on that. And the first thing I asked him, and, and you almost kind of talk about like, what got you into the oncology? My question was like, how do you deal with it? <laughs> because right. you're not, you're not giving any good diagnoses to people 99% of the time. Hey, yeah. you have cancer, life may be short. You know, those are not the things that people want to hear about. And yet he yeah. is given that. So it is yeah. a tough, it's a tough place. I, you yeah. know, it's and that goes back to the show that we had um, with Michael uh, Worthen um, yes. talking about the caretakers and the stress that the caretakers uh, take on. And interestingly enough, um, a lot of doctors do end up with cancers because we do carry big loads of, of stress and we, we do identify um, with our patients and even, you know, some of us, you know, take on the stigmata of our patients. Well, you know, doctor, we, we also talked about stress because, uh, you know, I actually had to share with him that, you know, I, I experienced cancer through my dad because he passed mm -hmm. on with prostate yeah. cancer and, uh, you know, how he went and, you know, the, the difficulty and it's, it's, it's around us all. And you never know right. who, who is. And we talked about the, the fact that I'm in the insurance world and I'm in the senior market and that's the population that's more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And we talked about all that. But then one thing that we had in the discussion is about the stress because I, I, I was explaining about our show base and uh, that, you know, I tackle a lot of stuff in my own shows. We tackle a lot of topics right. within this one. But, you know, what is that to do with, with health? And what I told them is that name something that does not affect our health. Business affects our exactly. health. Exactly. The world affects our health. The environment exactly. affects our health. You know, whether it's mentally or physically, something has to do with us. So everything around us, I don't care exactly. if you have an entertainment time, it has to do with you, either positive or negative. And so your health and, and that's true. That's true. Either positive or negative. Because when we say stress, people think of stress as a negative thing. But what's more stressful than getting married or going off to college? <laughs> They're big changes, you know. And anytime you have big changes, it's stressful. Anytime we face the unknown, it's stressful. So but, stress can be either positive or negative. But, but doctor, right? So stress is it's the world that we use to describe a situation, right? But that's yes. something that it's a reaction it's a, to, it's a reaction to what we have. I mean, not everybody reacts the same way to things. Right. You can react like my wife and I, we have this, like, like, why are you so cold? Like, you know, nothing phases you. It does phase me. It's just how my threshold to react to things is a little different than maybe more, yes. right? Or other people. Yes. Now, again, I've been tried with a lot of different things, difficult or not. 
And sometimes you just got to deal with it. Like I do believe that things happen and there's nothing you can do about them. Well, they happen one way or the other. It's like, you know, it's funny because the doctor talked about some of the tests or at least the experiments and, and the studies about groups that were like more religious or whatever. And if you have faith, you know, that's that's a whole different world. And it brings you a whole different concept of, of how you see the world. You said earlier, like everybody wants to live, but we all know also that we all gonna there is a time frame. Right. And it's, right. it's a fact. The question is, we want to live as long as we can, as healthy as we can and as happy as we can. And that, that's really the, the magic you know, piece of it. Yeah, what, you know, one one would think that it's really kind of interesting um, because you would expect that that would be the case. But a lot of people are so afraid of what's on the other side of not living that they'll take life at at all cost. And they, you know, they'll be in complete and total misery, but they're like, yeah, but I'm not turning this thing off because I don't know what's on the other side. It could be worse. Well, or or it could be non-existent. Again, that's a whole different discussion. Talking about topics, I mean, we, we can. Yeah. That's a whole. That's a whole discussion. But but you're right. It doesn't matter what belief we have. I mean, all our common beliefs, the main major ones, are very similar. We believe in heaven. Mm-hmm. We believe in hell. There is purgatory. There's all. This. They're all similar. But the idea is we all hope for the better one, right? We all say right. we want to be in heaven. We, you know, we may may he or she rest in peace. We want people to be doing good. And we do hope that there is a better life than this. All yes. right. And we so, all want good karma. <laughs> exactly. I, I can tell you, I, I do believe that we don't die per se. I mean, your body dies, your soul transfers to a different dimension, whatever you want. Yeah. Your, I mean, your we energy can get goes, deep. your energy goes wherever the energy goes. Exactly. We we can talk about semantics, the quantums, the reality of things, the soul, the spirit. But that's a whole different topic. But the fact of the matter, we all cling to life because we're not ready. We don't know what's in the other side. That's the problem. And so far, no one came back to say, hey, I mean, I know people say I, I died, whatever. I'm not even going to that topic because that could be challenging and we can have opinions about it. By the way, everybody has different experiences, what they know. And and yes, maybe they did. I don't know. But as far as I know, nobody that is, I guess, you know, uh, a scholar somebody or that came back and gave us a true evidence of them departing coming back. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. We have something, forms of beliefs and faith, you know, so it's blind faith. We know that it's, you know, we are here. We're not going to be here. The question is, how do we live? And knowing that, like, I always, I'm, I say this all the time, the only guaranteed thing in life is death. I mean, it sounds right. ironic, but it's sad, right? But, but it's reality. Right. So I, the way I look at it is this. Do we accept reality for what it's worth or not? Now, here's the challenge. It's one thing to say it, but I mean, doctor, I, I, I heard you earlier talking about your, your case, right? And, and mm-hmm. dealing with the disease and stuff. You know, that is a position that is tough. I, I Listen, you, I, I've known you for almost two years now. Your attitude about it is different. If, I, if you never told me, I would have never known, right? <laughs> even today, even today, the way you, you mentioned it, I mean, people have seen you on the shows all the time and probably they wouldn't even put one-on-one together. You, you, your demeanor about it, your action, you live your life, you do your stuff like, you know, there's nothing going on. But yeah, you're going through your struggles. And you know, you said it. Everybody's I mean, going through struggles. Exactly. We're all but, going but, through struggles. That's right. And but, but and everybody but, has cancer. Well, I mean, doctor did clearly say we all have cells in, in our body, just a matter of the immune system kicking them out or not kicking them out. Yeah. From <laughs> the doing... day you're born, you have cancer, and it just depends on whether your body gets rid of it fast enough or not. Well, but see, like how many people know that? That's a fact that 
probably to many of us is a new 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 news. This is the first time they hear about That's this. Jack. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's like it's reality, right? Mm-hmm. But but you're right. Like, you know, everybody and again talking about genetics, you know, if it is in your family, there's a good chance you're gonna get it. I mean, it may yeah, skip a generation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are prerequisites or there are, you know, I guess triggers to it as well. And I and I do yes. want to touch on that with you, Doc. Uh, you know, okay. I mean Absolutely. because because you did say that you and I know you the first show we had was about preventative medicine. Right. And 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 you talked about the you know the work you do to make sure that people get all the stuff in advance. Yeah. And and it's funny because you say that I'm supposed to be the poster child for this, but you know, how did that happen? But but the fact of the matter, like you did say there are things that people can take some measures to eventually right. at least at least from a lifestyle, you know, right. reduce the risk of of a mutation in the cells and you know get a, a malignant type of cancer right so you you did state that so so what are some of those things that you can as a doctor maybe suggest to our audiences today since you know we are extending the discussion from the doctor from dr Diskin, you know into more of of a, a back and forth here but i think this right. is relevant to the discussion because it's almost like we're doing the analysis now <laughs> yeah you right know, right the, 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 the post game analysis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's all yeah. good right uh, right, but so, right. so what are some of those things, doctor, that, that, by the way, I love what you said about you went the holistic way, you went right. the traditional way. And I do want to expand on that because let's, 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 let's be clear. I told you about my dad, but I also lost my ex-wife to, to mm-hmm. breast cancer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we were separated, but we were still friends and, you know, it was right. sad to see her go and she right. suffered for a couple of years and mm-hmm. uh, chemotherapy really ruined her. I mean, we, as far as we know, it was what actually hurt her more than actually the cancer, because she just she was her body was not able to can't you to to take it, right? And, and, and that so, is why I made the choice in the the beginning. Um, you know, there were certain types of uh, chemotherapies that um, you know might have taken care of it faster, uh, but knowing what I knew, I also knew that they were much more aggressive, and I knew that I'm very sensitive to to medications. I'm I have chemical sensitivities. I even have an allergy to alcohol, you know, <laughs> so oh my I, don't, God. I, I don't get to drink the, the, the martini or the daiquiri, but, oh. um, you know, I, I, I barely take anything at all. I don't even take, take Tylenol. Tylenol makes me sleepy. Okay. <laughs> so wow. I was very reluctant to, to go down that road. And we discussed a, a lot of options. And at the time I began down that path, immunotherapy wasn't necessarily being offered to everybody. And you basically got offered the hard stuff first. And then if you failed the hard stuff, you got offered something else. And the problem that I saw with that is having had uh, patients of my own that I had marched off for chemotherapy only to have them to succumb shortly thereafter and knowing, oh, gee, you know, I I just kind of sentenced them because they were doing really nifty before I sent them. And then after that, it was a quick downhill course. And again, you know, it's multifactorial because in some ways, some of the older chemotherapy kind of the goal was it was a race. And the race was to kill the cancer cells before you killed the person because they were non-targeted. And so they worked by killing rapidly dividing cells. And where some of the most rapidly dividing cells in your gut, 
And uh, so the gut was often very much affected. And a lot of people died from cancer, um, not because of the cancer per se, but because of the cachexia um, that they developed. It's basically a starvation that they developed because the cancer is going to get it. It's, you know, it's, it's, a perfect parasite that's sucking all of your energy and nutrients and feeding itself. And um, if you are unable to eat because of your chemotherapy, um, you know, if it is causing your body so much stress and distress that your body is now immunocompromising and it's weakening and not having the strength to fight. Well, guess what? The cancer is just busy chugging along, revving itself up, and it now has more soldiers on the battlefield, and your soldiers are are weak, you know. Wait, and they've been, they they've they've been tromping through the snow with no boots, and they've all got frostbite. Okay, but, but <laughs> their toes just fell off. But but Doc, what you're describing is also the idea that you know it's like yes, it's it's killing the cancer in a way, but it's killing your body. Faster than the cancer cells. Body. And, and, and the race is, can it kill that cancer before it kills you? That was the old treatment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've come along with newer, much more targeted treatments. That, radiation uh, therapy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yes. Radiation therapy used to be, uh, oh, it was brutal. Um, I mean, you end up with radiation sickness, but now they have very, very targeted radiation therapies that can basically cone down. So just the cancer itself is laser focused kind of cancer. The, yeah, yeah, because um, they use like little nanoparticles. I mean, you know, since the development of nanoscience, mm-hmm. uh, science has has just advanced dramatically, and. The radiation therapy is one of those places when you can take a little nanoparticle of radiation and put it right where you need to kill a cancer, then you've done something because you're not going to destroy the rest of the body around it. Because, I mean, basically, radiation therapy used to be like a nuclear bomb. Once it drops, it obliterated everything. <laughs> everything. You know? oh, no. So, uh, you know, it was just it was just that big of a deal. Well, now they've honed it down. So it's very, very targeted. And, you know, he talked about, you know, the targeted therapies, the immunotherapies, you know, the immunotherapies target down onto just the specific cells. Now, can some other cells get involved? Yeah, if they have receptors that look like the the cells that um, the chemotherapy is is targeting, it can it can sometimes get the wrong cells. But for the most part, it is getting specifically the cancer cells. And it is so effective at it, that um, one of the things that we have to be concerned about, especially like when we're doing the infusion therapies and an infusion is when you're, you're given an IV mm-hmm. that is putting the immunotherapy directly into a vein and then it's boom, going out where it needs to go. And it's, you know, it's like Pac-Man, it's boom, 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 boom. It's killing those cancer cells. What can happen though, is it's killing those cancer cells so quickly and as it kills them and they're dying, they're throwing off, you know, basically waste products and the system can become poisoned 
by the waste products that are being uh, thrown off and one can become very, very ill. So when we go for immunotherapies, uh, the patients are watched very carefully for a while after the immunotherapy, because usually when that happens, that kind of a storm occurs shortly after the immunotherapy, because that's when uh, this, the cancer cells are being most aggressively destroyed. So if you're going to get that kind of crisis, it usually happens in short order after. So, so doctor, a couple of things that, that come on first, uh, you know, the MR, mRNA, right? The, the stuff that they use now in the technology of vaccine. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it sounds like almost the same concept, you know, whereby it it's, it, it, it's, you know, this, they go in, they do their stuff, they go targeting and stuff. And I think that's potentially the future. And it has, it's not new, it's been around, but now it's more yeah. common. And I think after the COVID. And it's becoming more refined. Exactly. So there's that. But then the most traditional, especially for example, leukemia, we've always known bone marrow to be, you know, transplant was like the core, you know, kind of where it came in. I believe stem therapy or, you know, is, mm -hmm. is what, what that drives. Now I, I have heard or read also that, now you can use stem from fat, you know, is that medically, you know, uh, correct? Uh, no, that's not quite correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, you, what you're talking about is pluripotential cells. And so um, those stem cells um, can be utilized for a lot of uh, different things, but that's not the same as a bone marrow transplant. Um and well, the one, of the, yeah. one of the things that one has to understand or that people should understand, when we talk about transplants of, of any sort, um, unless it were an autologous transplant or, you know, unless you were transplanting some of your own previously healthy tissue mm. into your diseased tissue, then the chances are you're going to reject the chances of you getting a perfect match um, are very slim. And I, and, you know, even as I say that, I, I kind of think about that because that's not really something that usually happens where you've uh, harvested your whatever to give to yourself, <laughs> your future self, other than harvesting our eggs for future uh, pregnancy. Sure. But I mean, you know, it, it, there may be, there may come a time, for example, an example, um, I use a product that comes out of Japan. Um, and, you know, when I go to uh, Malaysia, I use that product heavily. And it is an amazing product. Um, it is not used here in the United States. And part of the reason for that is because it is uh, it's human stem cells and human growth factors. Right. And so we don't, we, you know, we, Babies, use, in, yeah, instead we, use, we use sheep uh, stem cells and I'm like, mm, yeah, that didn't work so well with the horse stuff, did it? <laughs> but um, that's a whole nother discussion. The, the, the focus being around the, the, the fetuses and aborted fetuses mm -hmm. and so yeah. on and so forth. But in Japan, the answer to that is, is really simple. Every pregnancy Instead of throwing away the placentas, which is usually what we do here, there are some some few people who keep their placenta and they may freeze dry it or they may actually eat it raw right there. And people are like, oh, my God. Ew. But think about it. What do animals do in the wild? The first thing they do is consume the placenta. Why? Because it's extremely 
rich in nutrients. That has been the home for a baby that has built a baby for 10 months. And that's another factoid there, people. A pregnancy is not nine months. We're always told pregnancy is nine months, but from the date of conception, it's 10 months. So see, people forget that part. (laughs) For 10 months, we've been building a baby in this warm, fuzzy, nutrient-rich place. And then baby comes out and we're like, we truck it like garbage. And yet it still remains nutrient-rich for a mommy who is depleted. She has just given birth to a baby and she has just spent 10 months giving up her building block Mm -hmm. to the child. I mean, talk about the perfect parasite. There is no more perfect parasite than a fetus as you're building the baby. He's he's definitely eating you up. He's eating everything from you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, um, but every every woman reasons. that's every woman that has ever had a child will tell you my body was never the same again. Doesn't matter how healthy she is, you know, you can be the epitome of health and you can have heard out that of a lot. It on the <laughs> other end and still be the epitome of health, but it is not the same health. And some of the things that happen are internal. You know, you, you hear about women banging out babies, boom, 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 boom. She just dropped the baby and she's pregnant a month later. We highly discourage that. We just, we encourage putting at least a year in between babies. And if you know that you want stair-step kids like that, then from the minute you drop that baby, you start supplementing, you know, you start eating right to build the next baby. And hopefully you're nursing the baby that you've got going on. So you're, you know, you're eat, eating to nourish that baby well, but also to give yourself enough nourishment to build for the next baby, because well, again, they are perfect parasites. And what better way to start that process by consuming your own placenta? Now, in Japan, what they do is is really pretty smart. They they freeze those placentas. They keep the placentas, and they keep the cords and. Now they're making products out of those. They're taking the stem cells from the cords. It's not coming from aborted fetuses. It's coming from placentas and cords that would have, in the United States, been thrown away. You know, so it's 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 waste at the highest level. We can use those cells to treat ourselves or our future children. I cannot remember the name of the the movie. There was a movie about a a little girl who had cancer and the parents decided to have another child so they could donate to the the child they were going to lose. I know which movie. I I forgot the name. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it it, it brings up a, a whole lot of ethical questions, but what if at the birth, her Stem cells had been harvested because her placenta was kept, you know, her, her, uh, her umbilical cord was kept and they could use her own cells. Then the question becomes though, when we start to venture down that road, the fact that she got the cancer, was she predisposed even from birth to getting there? You know, would having these particular cells actually help her or would it have the same outcome but i got there um by 
trying to say that one of the things that people have to understand about transplantation is that, you know, again, we see these things as a panacea. And if you're talking about transplanting, whether it's transplanting uh, bone marrow or transplanting a kidney or a heart or whatever, you have to understand that you are doing a trade-off. You're trading one disease or another, basically, because in order to keep that kidney, that heart, that marrow, you have to be immunocompromised. You have to be immunosuppressed because if you don't stay on the immunosuppressants, your body recognizes the foreign and starts to reject it and destroy it and may even turn on your own tissues and start to reject and destroy them too. And I I had the unpleasant uh, experience of having that happen. I got exposed to to COVID um, by someone who wasn't being very careful with me. And I ended up, you know, it triggered an inflammatory response. And all of a sudden, my body was destroying its own red blood cells. And I got down to about a quarter of a tank of of blood and the doctors were shaking their heads and gnashing their teeth and, you know, counting me out. And, you know, yay, though, I walked through the valley of the shadow of, of death. I was there. And yet, you know, I had my download that it wasn't my time that I had things to do. And one of the things that I had to do was <laughs> this show, you know, and uh, so I, you know, I had unfinished business that I had to take care of. And I knew that I wasn't going to, to die. Um, the doctors were not so convinced. you know. And um, well, I, well, I, well of living in, and again, it, also, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it really was a, a will. And uh, a, a belief in in something higher, a higher power. And you know, I believe. You know, I don't believe. I know. But in the event that I'm just horrifically wrong, well, there is a placebo effect. You know, so there is. It's big. Yeah, it's a huge placebo effect. And um, so, if I'm going to be wrong, I'd I'd rather err on the right side of wrong. So I'm I'm well, I, I'm going with it. It's my story, and I'm rolling with it. <laughs> but, but doctor, you, you're touching on a lot of things. One is, first of all, um, I believe no one dies without due time, right? That doesn't matter. You can Absolutely. be there are people that are Absolutely. you know you know it's funny. You had that diagnosis or even prognosis, yet people were with zero diagnosis prognosis and they're gone, right? People yes. were completely healthy. Yes. They dropped that yes. heart attack and they're gone. Yes. So this I is. Had a, I had a friend, um, a very dear friend. His name was Archie Graham. And, uh, you know, Archie would walk to the end of the, the world for me. And uh, I knew that Archie had a romantic interest in me. And I didn't feel that way about him. You know, he was in the brother uh, zone. And <laughs> but we were very close. We were extremely close. And we all knew that Archie was going to die from kidney failure because he was one of the earliest transplant patients. He's, he received his first kidney at the age of four and was one of the first ones that was ever done. And before it was all over, Archie had had five kidney transplants, which was pretty much unheard of. And 
Archie passed away in 2016, about a month after my mother did. And we sang together at my, my mother's memorial service because Archie was a, a phenomenal singer, but he did not pass away from kidney failure. He passed away unexpectedly from stomach cancer. So who knew? Listen, I, you're right, doctor. It, it's it's not unheard of. I mean, it's very common. People think, again, we, we look at wars, right? We look at stuff, earthquakes. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people in hospital beds and they're still struggling and fighting and they're still alive. And someone can just not wake up, period. It, it, it's and then other people get into a car. You know? <laughs> exactly. So you you that's the thing. That's why by by understanding that rule of life, like I always say, we live until we live no more. Just leave there it happy. Go. Leave it right. That's it. I mean, you got to do the there best. And, and by the way, your the fact that you're here, the fact that you're doing, the fact that you're healing, it is it is meant to be. So so if you believe, Absolutely. that's that's what it is. So but but here's the thing: there is one thing about belief that is blind, and there's belief with action. You know, you, this is not that like part. you know yeah, that part. You got to do your thing. I mean, do your part. And if I when my dad was was sick, you know, it was like, is he going? If He had pneumonia and he survived it. Mm -hmm. That didn't take him. The second time he had pneumonia, he was gone. So people said, well, DNR and so on and stuff. Like, listen, if he's going to pull through, he's going to pull through. If he's not, mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do. Because yes. yes. he did it. His body's going to stand. And if he's not going to die, you know, it's not time. It's not time. And so that's kind of like how the attitude was. But the yeah. fact is, yeah. these, these are real facts. And we have to understand them in a way. Now, it's easy said and done. But again, I'm talking to you. You've gone through this. And... I love what you said about the, the the transplants because people don't realize it is a foreign body. You know, now we talk compatibility and, you know, you look for the best, you know, get, you know, yeah, donors yeah. and all the stuff. But even that, but it is very seldom. Are you going to find an exact perfect match? It, it, it almost never happens. I mean, even with identical twins, a lot of times there's going to be one tweak of a difference because even though they got the same exact genetic material, They don't have the same exact experience once they exit the womb. And that experience over there can tweak the gene just this way. It's called epigenetics, the light switches that get turned on and off, that turn the genes on and off. And so, that's what makes us unique, right? Different. Yeah, so absolutely. So, but but thank you for clarifying that for people, because I think we all have, we see it on maybe movies and see stuff and it looks like, you know, that's. But there is more to this than people know. I mean, coming from oh, you yeah. as, as a provider and someone who actually is dealing with this and knows more about this than the average person does. Uh, and by the way, the concept you talked about the placenta, and you mentioned something interesting about you know the baby as a parasite. I know people are like, you know, you, you can't talk about my baby as a parasite. Well, it, 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 it was not derogatory. It was. It is not. It is not derogatory. But I mean, think about this: the baby is building bones, and so one of the things that happened, and I missed this question on my uh, national board of medical examiners the first time I saw the question. Um, you know, it asked a question about uh, which people were more likely to have certain issues. And uh, it asked about uh, people having dental problems. Who was most likely to have dental pregnant, problems? Pregnant women. Pregnant women, or not pregnant women, postpartum women. Why? Uh, Because the baby sucks the calcium out of your body, including your teeth. So women are more likely to lose, lose their, their teeth. teeth than men are because they lose the calcium out of the bone structure mm -hmm. uh, that supports those teeth. 
you know. Actually, and doctor, as you said, I mean, the more deliveries you have, the more it's weakened. And exactly. I, and by the way, even like when my wife was pregnant with the kids, doctors supplements, calcium, this, that iron deficiency was a big one, too. Yeah. You need to get a lot of huge one. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, you know, that's why there is all the prenatal, you know, vitamins. It takes a lot of work to build a baby. <laughs> uh, listen, I, you know, men are, are easy, right? It's not, we don't carry it. It's one thing. I mean, you guys are doing, you know, a terrific job at it. And I, you know, we give you all, that's why we love our no, mamas, see, right? <laughs> the, carrying, the, the carrying it is not the big deal. It's the getting that puppy out, you know, I mean, uh, think about, Pushing a bowling ball out of your behind, okay? <laughs> I, I, listen, I wouldn't even challenge. Listen, I, I did have an experience. Now it's a joke, but a kidney stone, I was told it's just as close, if not as bad, you know, because that was bad. And I had two deliveries <laughs> in my uh, life. So, so uh, I, I've been in that painful level, but I, I, I cannot pass. And as a matter of fact, you know, it's funny you made a joke earlier about, you know, the, the babies and like you are the parasite. Well, I've heard that a lot when I was a kid, like, the, the day I had you, my body was never the same. My mom was always telling me, that. <laughs> you know, you ruined me, you know, so I, I know how it feels. And and there's nothing we can do about that as, as, as humans. It is the law of nature. It is standard. Everybody goes through it. You know, if you exist, you went through, you know, a, a mother's womb and you're here. Yeah. And so, and I mean, you know what? And, and it's designed that way. It's it's really an interesting thing because they measured the the level of pain that women go through. Um, it's, there are some women who have easy childbirth and they slide out, but basically, labor is called labor for a reason, and they measured the level of pain that that gets to, mm. and it actually registers at a higher level than the human uh, form is generally able to tolerate. So why do we keep popping out these kids? Well, because in the design of it, the minute you pop that kid out, the endorphins go wild to create that love bond with the, the child. And I remember after having my son, I mean, immediately after having my son, I looked at this magnificent creation and every head in the room snapped around to look at me like I had lost my mind because I was like, oh, my gosh, he's beautiful. I could do that again. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, but it, it is true. But it's amazing because to your point, if, if you know, we are blessed on one thing. Right. And I think you can uh, you know confirm this. The, the pain, our brain does not register the pain. It doesn't. There's no memory for pain. It, it, it has no memory of it. It registers it. It has no memory. No of memory. It. That's why I'm until the first labor pain comes around the next time. And then all of a sudden that whole memory circuit flips on and you're like, oh, oh that's right. No. I didn't want to do this again. <laughs> well, true. But but it, but it's it's you, it, you have a memory that you had pain, but it's not yes. you don't have the actual pain memory. So I think it's two you different do, things. You, you do when you get that first labor pain that comes around the next time. Uh, up until then, you talk to women and, you know, they uh, was labor painful. Oh, yeah, my, my labor was painful. You know, I had the worst pain ever, but they have no concept of what that meant. And, you know, you can talk about it till the cows come home. Oh, yeah, I had a difficult delivery and, you know, it was <laughs> painful. And then you go to have the next one and you're like, Oh, I forgot what this was all about. <laughs> Why did I want to do this? And women say the most amazing things to their OBGYNs and their OBGYNs <laughs> were like, 
A, I wasn't there when you did this. B, I'm not accountable for it. C, I'm really trying to help you through this. Uh, you know, spare me. I've heard I've heard some funny stories about that. Like, you know, it was fun. You know, when when it was started, right? Now it's not as fun. So you you hear yeah, a lot of those yeah. things. But, but, and I but see a lot of I see a lot of funny incidents in delivery rooms between wives and husbands. The things that wives tell their husbands <laughs> under the duress of labor are quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, listen, I well, listen. I mean, we as men, we cannot experience it. We have to support it. And I listen. I've been in my all my deliveries, three deliveries. I cut the umbilical cord myself. I was there from from the first kick to to the actual delivery and the baby crying. And it, it is emotional. It is different to experience it. And yes, I mean, while the mom is pushing out and the baby's coming out, it's one thing that they're feeling it, but you'll see in that birth. You know, that's that's another thing. I mean, it just that's an amazing, amazing it's an it's amazing, amazing. you know. For those who had the pleasure of seeing that and being part of it, it is unique and you know, it stays with you for life. Uh, and actually, you 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 remember you. The first thing that came to my mind is like, I did this. I was actually, I came out too and I gave pain to my mom and so on and so forth. So like you might even relate to that in a way. Again, I mean, I'm crazy. Some people are like, "What the hell's going on with this guy on the show?" <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter, when you, you know, I reflect on everything, and frankly, you know, I'm I was attached to my mom, so I I realize I, I related to exactly what she used to tell me. Like, you did a lot of damage, and you you yeah. you gave me a lot of pain, and you know, it's one thing, but it's beautiful. It's the birth, it's life, um. And there's nothing, it you know, it, it's and just, it, it's part of what we are and who we are. And we it's exist. an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, a lot of women uh, opt to do, to do drugs so that they don't experience the pain. Oh, and epidural each, is to, not fair. Each is his <laughs> own. I did mine 100% natural. And I'm so glad that I did because, I mean, A, the whole experience is something that we don't talk about enough as a society, as the, the, this Western society that we live in. We don't really talk about it uh, so much. And that's not all Western society because, I mean, I grew up in the UK and in the UK we had midwives and, and, and doulas and women did talk about that experience more. Um, but in the United States, it's, it's really a very sterile uh, kind of thing. And people don't talk very much about what they experience. And I remember as I was going through, particularly the delivery, there were certain aspects of it that I was like, wow, I, I, I never realized I would go through this. And I remember the moment when he turned in preparation for coming down. And I felt this odd scooping sensation. And I was just so fascinated about by how the body knows to turn him and put him into position so that he's the most likely to be able to fit through that canal. Because if he doesn't turn and fit into the position, you end up with a breach that can't get through. And, you know, now we can do C-sections reasonably safely. There was a point in time when yeah. you couldn't do them. And the, a woman who ended up with a breach, unless she had an incredibly good midwife who could turn that baby internally. And a lot of times, even with a good midwife, an internal uh, turning meant that she was going to tear and she was going to die. So if it was a breach, there was a high probability that she was going to die, but yet there weren't that many breaches. And I, I, I remember when I was going through my pregnancy, I was going through uh, internship and my first clerkship was in the NICU in the neonatal intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And they showed this film 
about all of the things that could go wrong from <laughs> conception to the end. And at the end of the film, the pediatrician turned around and looked at me and he was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh my God, it's amazing any of them ever come right. It's amazing any of them ever deliver right. And yet the body has it all orchestrated and makes it happen. That's a miracle. I mean, well, it's, uh, it's the, multiple miracles. The miracle of birth is big. I mean, uh, and, and we can break it down to a science from the, the creation, from the inception, from the cells, from, you know, the womb, from the ovaries. I mean, and, and just every the single stage along the way can go so wrong in so many ways, it's amazing that any one of us comes anything that even approximates, we'll say yeah. typical, we won't say normal, typical. You know, you know, <laughs> like, you know doctor, it's funny, right? I'm thinking, we started the conversation with an oncologist talking about, you know, a, a diagnosis and a prognosis of death 100% or at least, you know, high, for, <laughs> you know, and then now we're talking about life. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, what a twist of it. It full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, life and death are I want the other. They're, 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 they're all part of the same continuum. And I mean, you know, here in the United States, we, we make death this horrible, tragic thing. But death is a part of the cycle of, of life. And, you know, we talked about that even with the oncologist talking about, you know, extending the life. Where do we draw the line? Are we playing God by breaking the, the cycle up? And generally, when we start to tweaking Mother Nature, it's going crazy somewhere else. So what are we doing is the well, question. You know, well, you know, doctor, so there is a controversy there because first of all, um, you know, we do believe that in today's modern age, we almost are extending, we live longer, but that is not necessarily true in a way. Let me, let me explain. Cause if you go back in history, right. And we go back to, I guess the prophetic days, right. You know, I mean, we do know of, of people that lived on earth who who actually at least from from a biblical perspective or 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 a religious perspective they lived longer i mean noah you know uh, and adam you know our you know forefather i mean if you yeah, you know for yeah, those that yeah, believe yeah. we believe yeah. in that they lived a longer life and and many nations came that lived longer yeah. lives yeah uh, and it's funny because almost that kind of reduced to a point and then now it's kind of like going back with the science part but people yeah, we're, we're, we're actually um reversing that now though because we were living longer we were creating longevity but in you know the last number of years we're actually the the um life expectancy is now declining mm. so um and, you know, there are probably lots of reasons for for that. I mean, and one of the reasons is definitely because <laughs> pollution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're creating a, a, a toxic world that we're mm. we're living in. And so the organisms are getting weaker. He talked about the, you know, the immune system as the immune system weakens. Um, we we don't do as well. And I mean, we're able to measure that. Actually, we, we can measure something on the gene called uh, a telomere. And, you know, a telomere tells you basically kind of what your life expectancy is going to be. If it's young and healthy, you have this nice long telomere. But as the body collects more and more toxins and more and more stressors, then the telomeres start to, to shrink on the, uh, the DNA. And the shorter they are, the older or more senescent the cell is. And so we can actually look at those cells and predict 
someone's longevity by looking at those telomeres. Well, but that's that we're talking about the clinical longevity because I mean, mm-hmm. you can have an accident and that ends <laughs> without, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we're talking the medical aspect of it. But th- the fact is that also, you know, it's controversial to a degree because I believe personally, I don't care if we can extend it in the way we think we're extending it. It is not extended because of the medicine. I think the medicine and the science is the tool, you know, but at the end of the day, it is, are you, is it the time? Is it not the time? Uh, is that the lifespan it- you're going to have? I mean, from a religious aspect. And, and, and yes, I would agree with that. And what, what I tell patients, because, you know, everybody wants to, to live longer. And I'm like, you know, uh, I, I, I practice longevity medicine. And um, I tell patients right out the gate, I can't make you live any longer than, well, you know, meant. your ticket is, is meant to, <laughs> exactly. to, to give you. And I'm like, you know, I don't care what you believe. Um there's a programming. There is a programming and, you know, a, a genetic program, a cellular programming, whatever it is. Um, there's a programming that says you're to, to about to live this long. And then if you take the the science or, you know, the medicine out of that, I personally believe that, you know, whether you call it written in the book or whatever, I believe that every one of us has a finite existence on this earth. And just like my friend, Archie, who had five kidney transplants. And along the way, there were so many places where he shouldn't have been here. You know, I myself has have had a number of, of near death experiences where I shouldn't have been here. You know, a part of it's my strong will, but part of it, I believe it just was not my time. time. I had more to do. And when my time comes, my time will, will come. And who knows what it will, will be. I may die in my sleep. I might get hit by a bus, but one way or the other on that date, that particular moment in time that I'm supposed to go, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, that's like, I mean, it's funny that movie final destination, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you run, but you don't you run from your debt to debt. It doesn't matter. You can't outrun your debt. Uh, you know, as, as fun as, as that is just a, a movie and it's just kind of yes. funny a little bit, but the fact of the matter is, we again let's put it this we way we can't I mean, outrun death there's yeah. a billion there's eight billion humans on this planet i think about seven billion of them believe in god and and you know an existence and an hereafter and maybe i'm wrong maybe half of them but but we know that the majority of all the world does have that kind of belief doesn't matter what denomination and at the end of the day and it doesn't matter know. whether you call it god or not i mean you, you 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 can say you know there is no god but if you believe that there is uh, anything greater than oneself, then, well, you know, but, but, and even if you believe yourself, you know, I mean, atheism, I'm sorry, atheism is a religion as well. Yes. So. And, but, but what I'm saying, even if that's the case, everybody mm-hmm. kind of has the concept. It's almost like we all know it. There yeah. is a start point and an end point. There is yeah. an expiration date. There is a countdown from the minute you actually delivered, you yes. know, and, and that, that countdown could be hundred years, 70 years, 50 years, doesn't matter, you know, and, and an e- hour. Can be an hour. Can be people don't even make it, right? But here's the thing: it's not so much. I think the fear is not so much. And we talked about the hereafter. I think the other concept is: do you want to live unhealthy? You see, you can live long, but if you are unable to move, unable to do your ADLs, activities of daily living, you are literally just not able to do things. You know. Yeah. How, yeah. how would you want that life? And that's why we all yeah. say and you you want to live a happy, vitally, you know, fulfilled right. life. 
Right. Uh, a life of purpose. And, exactly. uh, you know, and that's, and that is exactly what I tell my patients. I said, you know, I am a longevity management physician. I cannot guarantee you that I'm going to make you live any longer than you're already programmed to live. What I can guarantee you is that I will help you to live healthier. And, and by the way, that's, that's all what I think everybody, because we all know that it's going to be a moment, but mm-hmm. we hope that we're going to live to that moment. Happy ever after healthy with the best of our movement and ability and mobility. Yes. And ultimately, and I, mean, I, I can't even guarantee you good health. I mean, you know, your genetic program may be such that you are going to get X, Y, and Z. It is on your genes. It's immutable. You're going to get it. But if I can help you with your nutrition, your fitness, your mindset, and all of that, and I can push that gene back so that instead of turning on at 40, it doesn't turn on until 75. I've That's given you good. 35 years of healthy, healthy. longevity. But, but doctor, That's here's the thing. We do hurt our own selves as humans. Yes, we do. The choices yes, we, we make do. are, yes, are in, you know, implicated in, in, in this diagnosis of health, right? One is, I mean, you talked about you don't, you, you're allergic to alcohol, but it is almost, you know, not cool not to have alcohol, right? And it's right. part of society. So you do well, drink. I've a lot. never been cool. <laughs> exactly. well, I'm saying, but, but, <laughs> no, I'm sure you're one of the coolest. Yeah, it's funny because I don't drink either. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, my, my, my vice was orange juice. So people used to make fun of me. Like, do not give Hisham orange juice. Because the minute I get orange juice, I'm like hyper. I'm bouncy. Right? Yeah, yeah. So j- just do not give him orange juice. That was my high. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but, but you're right. It's, it's it's part of it now cigarettes uh you know now we have vaping i mean and now it's 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 all over the place you know all these these things that we do now we have also like you're talking about toxins in the air we have emfs we have this we have that radiation blah 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 all over us and, and we have zombie drugs and people are doing them oh yes i've seen those and it, it is it is sad when you see someone you know on the ground you know i don't know i mean it's 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 but humans but but, but those are choices that people make you know, they well, know that this stuff so is there's doing two things. stuff, but they still make a choice. Well, you were like, you know, I just had a show. I just, it just, it's posting, I think, uh, tomorrow. Um, the, uh, no one puts a gun to your head, right? <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, literally no one. I mean, maybe there's a scenario where that can happen, but, but that's like, one. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? But, but I, I will take, take the that. poison. Take the poison. <laughs> well, you do have those, those, you know, yeah. someone, I don't know. I mean, we, for example, someone gets kidnapped, whatever, and you know, there's traffic and there's this, that can happen. Yes. But yes. but 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 that's like maybe a minute percentage. But on overall, we do this voluntarily. People go to club, they drink, they get this. Exactly. And you're doing it, and it's like it's pleasurable. It is limited pleasure. And then what's up? You know, even we talk even fitness. I mean, I have a lot of shows about fitness. So you go to a gym and you're like doing crazy movements. But what are you doing to your joints? What are you doing to your other stuff? I was going to say, there's a price even for, for fitness. And I mean, you know, there there has to be balance. I mean, that's, I think, one of the important things. There has mm. to be balance. Just about anything in excess is going to be too much. And you talked about uh, something, you know, you touched on something uh, before, and I, I'm circling back to it. Um People, and, and it's, it's almost a little bit of a pet peeve for me as the, the <laughs> physician, you know, you say, okay, X, Y, and Z is going wrong. And people are like, okay, well, pray, pray, pray. You know, we're going to pray, pray, pray. And everything's going to be fixed. My health is going to be fixed. The world is going to be fixed. Everything's going to be fixed. As long as we pray, pray, pray. 
I am sorry, people. Pray, pray, pray doesn't work. God hears you, but he has an expectation that you take part in this life that he gave you. You have a responsibility to use your gifts and talents. He gave them to you for a reason. You know, Doc, I want to give a simple example. And by the way, thank you for bringing that because, you know, you're right. Prayer is good. I mean, I believe in prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, today begins Ramadan for us, you know, so we'll start fasting tomorrow. And I'm going to have an all-nighter. I'm going to be praying, doing stuff. So I'm going to enjoy that. But that's that's spirituality. But but the prayer alone does not guarantee that you're going to get the money. You still, yes, it will. It could guarantee you're going to get the money, but you got to take the right actions. You, you know, have steps to take to do the that. steps to secure it. Exactly. Here, here's the thing, right? Um, I've have, I've not seen the sky actually throwing money at anybody. You know, if nope. you, you know, even the birds, they got to get out of their nest to actually fly to eat, right? If you stay in the nest, right. you're not eating. Now, maybe if you're a baby bird, but, but really, <laughs> if you're old, you're going to have to go somewhere and bring food to your, to your family. I mean, animals have to go and hunt to actually eat, you know, Absolutely. you know, so, so those are the things, but, but even a simple thing, we're talking about hurting yourself. Well, I, I can guarantee you, if you jump in front of a truck, you're probably not going to make gonna it. Get <laughs> yeah. If you put your hands in, in you know, if you see a volcano or lava, you're not going to go and walk into it and think that maybe I'm going to just get a walk over it. You know, I actually have a, a, a funny story about that. I went to Hawaii <laughs> a few years back and uh, um, whatever the, the, the volcano there, the live volcano. Yeah. And, you know, we're, 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 we're going and we're looking at this volcano and you can walk across the the volcano and I'm looking at it and I'm like, that what am I doing here? Look like a good idea because there, there was just an energy that I could feel. It was palpable, and I'm like, I'm really not feeling this is a good idea. Oh, it hasn't gone off in years, and people always walk it, and you know, it's safe. It's this. It's that. It's lovely. It's an experience. Uh, a, a week later, a week later, that entire area where we stayed was obliterated it no longer exists it's new land because that puppy erupted and took everything out in its path and i'm like yep i could have been walking across that (laughs) (laughs) That, that's see that's the thing like you know but but we know you do not want to go there right um you know it's the same thing would you put your hand in the stove while it's cooking and baking no i mean we know what's wrong with things we know for example I, cigarettes kill you. They have a warning on the box. I'm sorry, yep. you know, but people still smoke. And the Marlboro <laughs> man was as cool as he wanted to be, and he's just as dead. Okay, and he died from what? Lung cancer from the that, cigarette. That, that's news to me, but hey, I mean, for the audiences, probably because that was the coolest <laughs> thing. I mean, I remember yeah. the the, the Marlboro man. He was he was really <laughs> listen, but I mean. Yeah. Eventually, it got to it to the point where it was clear, and now he has a warning. Now, but giving somebody the warning. And I'm providing them with the, with, with, with the tool. It's like, here, here's a gun. Maybe, you know, if you point out yourself, maybe it's not going to kill you. I mean, hello. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, uh, you, do you know how many people actually kill themselves playing with guns and not realizing oh, they're still loaded? I, I'm with you. Coming, Listen. coming, coming back from Saudi Arabia, I would go up to the, to the ward to take care of the soldiers. What happened to you? I shot my armpit out. You know, <laughs> it's oh, like, <laughs> what? I'm leaning on my, on my weapon. My, my, uh, my son, one of my sons, uh, he and his buddy were playing and shot him through the eye because the gun that they didn't think was loaded actually was loaded. a real gun. 
I'm assuming the, the dude is gone. No, no, no. Well, he he is now actually, and he was killed by a gun, but not at that particular time. Oh. So he 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 made it from 13 to 40. Wow. But um. Yeah. But, but but you but again, you know something is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but it's available and it's, you know, like uh, that t- takes us to the debate of weapons and arms and yes. firearms and so on. Yes. But, but, but the idea is we all know the bad things we know. Right. And, and and listen, I mean, if, I'm not going to go into the pharma world here in terms of the drugs, but even the drugs, I mean, I know they have benefits. We take some of them, but you said earlier, you're not really a big fan of drugs and stuff, but you know, every one of those come with a commercial with about, you know, 30 seconds of everything that is good, not good for right. you. <laughs> right. And, and, and those are, and those side effects are, are, are real. I mean, you know, some of the side effects, the way that those, those studies work because people are, are like, well, you know, it, it, it says it's going to do all of this. Well, nine times out of 10, it won't do all of that because when they do those drug studies, people are put into the drug study. And the way that that works is if you're taking the drug, any symptom that you have, has to, to report be recorded. It. Yeah. it may not have anything to do with the drug at all. And so, you know, you get a lot of people who caught a cold during the time that they had the, the drug going. Well, everybody else in their family had a cold too, and they weren't <laughs> taking the drug. So chances are it wasn't because of the drug that they caught the cold, but it still has to be recorded. At the same time, there are other things that happen with the drug that may not happen very often, but that may be a direct side effect of the drug. And then you have to weigh the risk benefit. You know, like I said, I bled down, lost almost all of my red blood cells. And to stop that process, they put me on prednisone. And I was on a high dose prednisone, had, you know, the side effects. I had a big moon face and, uh, you know, had a little bit of a buffalo hump. I did not look like me. I looked so not like me that my phone wouldn't recognize me (laughs) from my facial sinus. I just got a visual. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there were side effects that were clearly going on, but some of the some of the side effects from prednisone can be very bad. They, you know, they, they knock out organs, they can knock out your pancreas, leave you with diabetes, all kinds of other things. And I was on the high, high, high dose prednisone from December until May. And, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, oh my God, what is the prednisone going to do to me? And so I made it to May and I'm like, can we get off of the prednisone? He's like, you can get off of the prednisone. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually made it through this ridiculously high dose of prednisone with no side effects. A week later, I get ready to get out of bed and I have excruciating pain in my hip. Six weeks later, I finally get the MRI only to find out that both hips have been completely destroyed. And months later, I had to have both hips replaced. So you say medication and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, no, but but doctor, again, you had, you got to the point where you had no choice and you did it. And yeah, it was a risk benefit. It was a risk benefit thing. And it's like prednisone, horrible drug took my hips was a pretty good trade-off for my life you know again but 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 you know like uh for example my personal doctor he is also my mom's doctor and he always like you know when he prescribes he gives you all the good stuff and you know like the potential risk and explain that you know it's one percent that can happen whatever but then he does testing like for example let's let's do blood work regulate to see how if there's an impact before to continue test it a little bit let's do a routine you know check to make sure that if there's no damage 
if it continues over three months and everything's good, then we'll do a you know every three months checkup. So it makes sense that way, and at least yeah. you get a little comfort because you know there's no damage. And even if there is uh, an impact, again, it's a risk it's light. that you have to weigh. You know, is it worth the risk? Yes, I know that I'm having some damage here, but what is going to happen if I don't take this risk? You know, what is this damage here? And I mean, as part of that weighing things out, you know, for me, it's like okay, is there something else that I can do? I'm on no medications at all now. We decided eventually that the risk-benefit ratio uh, was not good enough. I was having too many side effects from the medication. And while off of medication, because they took me off of all medication, because they're like, oh my gosh, are we getting ready to kill her with this medication? So they took me off of all the medication. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm cooking with oil. You know, we're, we're, we're doing really well. And so then the risk-benefit thing goes does it make sense to put her back on medication? No, it does not make sense to take the risk of putting her back on medication. So what do I do in exchange? I don't just sit here and say, okay, I'm going to pray, 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 and it's all going to be good. No, I do my due diligence to, I mean, I eat an exceedingly healthy diet. I eat a tremendous number of vegetables. I eat mushrooms almost Antioxidants every single day, antioxidants, every single day, uh, eating close to my skin color, meaning dark, leafy, green vegetables, dark reds, dark oranges, high in antioxidant foods, grape juice, currants, you know, high antioxidant foods. Does it make a difference? I am a lot healthier than a lot of people who do not have a diagnosis. I'm doing a lot more with this diagnosis then a lot of people are doing supposedly perfectly healthy. Oh, listen, God bless. You know, it, it is, it is. But thank you for sharing that because that's important because again, nutrition is a big part of the game. Uh, it, it's everything. I mean, it's the mindset, it's the nutrition, it's the activities, you know, your, it's the, activity, your life. It's the movement. Exactly. It's you move in, you, you, you're, you're busy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but that, those are all. I'm, I'm I mean, in life. I'm exactly. in life. And, and, you know, people, people talk about uh, surviving cancer. I will never be a cancer survivor. I choose not to be a cancer survivor because I'm a cancer thriver and I will That's thrive my way through life, whether there's cancer no cancer, whatever else may come up. I mean, I've had some stuff in my life. I mean, I've had some stuff in my life I, that I wouldn't wish on my my worst enemy. And people are like, how did you make it through that? Resilience. It was a choice to, to love this life I've been given. No matter what happens, I woke up this morning. What a gift. What a gift. You know, that's that's when people have that attitude. It's a whole different thing. That's what makes people more resilient than others and different in their approach to stress and everything. Because to your point, I am alive. And with your diagnosis and stuff, you know, many people may have given up and you're not. You're living your life day in, day out and enjoying doing the best you can with what you have. And you're not just sleeping and waiting. You're doing, you're taking the necessary steps to have a good, healthy day every day. And, and that that's what makes a difference in a lot of things. I mean, and now... Someone can say, well, maybe you have the means, you can afford these extra things. Uh, like, you know, we talked uh, earlier about the- I'm sorry, nobody can afford cancer. Nobody uh, can uh, afford that, cancer because uh, the doctor told you, you know, we've got treatments that are getting ready to come out that a million are a dollars. million dollars. Well, I mean, if you're a billionaire and you're dropping a million dollars every month, guess what happens to your billions? 
Yeah. Well, that's that's for the billions. <laughs> you know, for the average, you know, Joe, it's not happening. <laughs> you know, well, you know what's interesting? What, what's interesting with that is because of the way the system is set up, set up, the billionaires make it happen. And the lower Man. level makes it happen because they, you know, they are on the the public assistance and all. And then the Majority. middle tier gets caught in the middle. Yep. I listen. I can relate to that. I know exactly how that feels. And you know, it's funny because you know, but but even even Medicaid and Medicare, you know, um, even though these these you know uh, treatments are approved. They're not your first choice as an insurer. I can tell you that much. You're not no. getting the treatment, no. you know, no. at first run. You're getting the standard chemo, you're getting the potential radiation, and that's, you know, you yeah. have to test all of it. And, and most of, by the way, most specialty yeah. hospitals do not even take insurance. Let's be clear. Right. You know, right, and I was right. going to ask yeah. the doctor that, yeah. you know, I think when we bring him back, we can dive well, into Well, UC Davis, UC Davis does take uh, insurances, and that's it. It's a university hospital. University hospitals that's why, usually yes. take the insurances. But for example, Sloan Kid. Private hospitals yeah. do not. Exactly. And and so. They can't afford to. Yeah, it's costly. But, but so I always had a question. I mean, you know, I don't know. We make billions of dollars sometimes, you know, to do, I'm not, we're going to talk inflation, we're going to talk into economy now and, and banking. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the cost could be absorbed if 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 governments wanted to, if the world wants to. You know, it could be, you know, just part of like, it's a guaranteed, you know, benefit that you get and that's it. You know, well, it doesn't yeah, have to yeah, be. You know, now you're getting into the socialized medicine kind of thing. And people are like, well, you know, uh, there are countries where I can get treated and, you know, it's my right to get medical care and I don't have to pay for it. Yes, you do. You know, when you go over to Sweden and, and yeah. Norway and those countries, yes, they have beautiful socialized medical systems. They also pay the highest taxes in the world. And they're also the happiest people. Yeah, well, listen, I, I don't know. You're in California. I'm in, in the New York and Jersey area. I think I think we're just as expensive. <laughs> <laughs> expensive. That doesn't have anything to do with taxes, though, necessarily. Well, no, we're actually, I, I pay I pay taxes at a kazoo. It's it just, yeah. well, uh, we're, I mean, we're heavily taxed. Those countries pay on the average close to 50% of their, their money out in taxes as a whole. You know, well, not just, oh, you know, if you if you're in a certain income bracket, it goes up. No, they pay across the board a lot of their income, but they benefit from it. They you know, they they have good roads. They have good schools. They have good medical care. They have daycares at their work and such. If my dollars were being spent that way, I'd be happy to fork over that 50 percent. You know. Well, we're close enough. I mean, they take about thirty-eight percent, forty percent. I mean, we, we're not that. Yeah, far. <laughs> but but our but our thirty-eight and forty percent is going in our politicians' pockets. You know, it's going into their healthcare system that is not the same as our healthcare system. So, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that's we're, that's we're not going to go there today. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because even Canada next door, and they do have, a, a, I would say, a little healthcare system. Although you still have to wait a long time and stuff. Now you can always mm -hmm. go pay private and get some stuff. But but if it's costly enough, you're gonna have to wait for a, a procedure to happen. But even that, I mean, the taxes they pay, in addition, you know, I mean, yes. it's it's higher than all, and yes. it is. It, that's the problem. It's always the people that are paying, you know. But 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 we have resources that can be, you know, percentage wise given. Now I'm being just, you know, maybe pleasant about it, and you know, saying that it's the right thing to do. But that's not reality of life. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how the world works. But really, right. if we wanted to queue everything and and have zero dollars given, you know, paid to in healthcare, every government can do that. And and 
people right. can challenge me. You can. I mean, right. you know, you can take right. a percentage of your oil and just dedicate it to that stuff. And that's it. Make it part of your, you know, uh, you know, expenses, whatever, you know. So there right. is there is a way to do right. it. You can print extra dollars, you know, for that healthcare the way you build, you know, businesses, you know, these days and do it. I mean, there's many right. ways. Right. It's like, you why can, aren't we bi- Why aren't we bailing out hospitals instead of uh, businesses? Well, I'll give you no one. Well, that's right. Well, here's the thing. We have defense, you know, uh, contractors. They make trillions. Put a percentage of that or a special tax that is paying for the stuff. I mean, there's ways to do this. Now, I'm not I'm not a, a finance expert or, or you know, an, an economic, you know, or an economist, if you want to say it that way. But these are just basic, you know, things that yeah. we all can come up with an idea of how we could be paid of. But you know, we just choose not to because the system is not made that way. You got to pay for things, right? And so it's just how it is. And it, it's sad, but, but you know, this goes back, like, do we want to have more people to live, you know, because where the population is overcrowding the world? All I can tell you is this, at least from the belief perspective, this world can't handle itself. itself. And, you know, we have natural disasters. We have a lot of stuff that, that happened. I'm believing that there is a reason for that. And sometimes people. Yeah, and the more we mess with things, the more we tick off Mother Nature, and then she's going to level the playing field. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's like um, habitat, right? You know, yes. animals, you know, are coordinated in, in, the, in the wild. You know, they're somehow the habitat level is always limited. Now, all in the world that we live in, like we have hunting season because we want to reduce some of that. But in reality, yes. you don't even need that, they'll take care of themselves. You know, yes. it's it, mm-hmm. in, in the savannah, you know, in all these places, animals take care of business and, you know, the, right. the weak is dead, you know, and so on and so forth. And it's always going to get. So it's just the world can't. I mean, look, we had the pandemic. We closed for about three months. The ozone layer got better. <laughs> the ozone layer got better and the animals came back to reclaim what was theirs. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's that's amazing, isn't it? You know, so listen, I mean, we can go into uh, a whole um, emotional trip and, and a discussion about how the world should be, uh, you know, but it will be just fantasy, really, because the reality of things is, is you know, completely, completely opposite. Um, if the world was run by by its own, things will be a lot simpler. But humans Absolutely. intervene and we kind of destroy it <laughs> one way or the other. But anyways, Absolutely. listen, Doc, we've had a pretty long show today, but it was, I think, fun. Uh, I mean, it was awesome with having, you know, Dr. We were all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> but but, it, but it's, it's a full circle, but it's all related. Yes, right? yes. yes Here's absolutely. the thing. Everything that happens in life affects health. Actually, I, I had the discussion absolutely. with Dr. You know, business affected, everything affected. So therefore, yeah. you know, whatever well, we're talking we about. Have the, that's why we have the windmill healthy lifestyle paradigm, you know, because every single thing affects you every single thing hey listen and, and and you know whatever we do has an impact on our mental and physical health so doesn't matter what you do business starts affect us the most most of us are stressed just because of work at business and financials and paying mortgage and this and that and you know we have ulcers we have this we lose hair we do this and it's happening like what the hell's going on well you're you know fighting the fight you know and and it's it's and so is it affecting your health? I mean, actually, we had I had a show with a doctor that we talked about how the business concept affects and has a toll on the healthcare system. Oh, very much so. <laughs> you know, very because so. because the lifestyle we have, the food we eat, all the stuff we do is actually a direct link to exactly how the healthcare system is taxed and unable to actually meet the needs because it just exactly. you can only do so much. 
I mean, our behavior is what's driving that, and it's it's coming from our economy. It's coming from absolutely. Our so it, it, when you start like listening and and kind of like opening up to this, like God damn, this is like crazy. <laughs> I mean, but it's the reality. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's not and then fake. It's a head scratcher. It's like okay, so how do we <laughs> yeah. fix it? You know? uh, listen, and, and the day, therein the, lies the question. <laughs> uh, listen, you and I, we could be talking for the next century. I don't think we're gonna have a solution. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, there are solutions. The world can come together. We can have peace. We can do things, but. I don't know if it, it's convenient, you know, it's not convenient. It doesn't work. Well, you know what? I, I, I think that the answer is to focus on yourself, to no, make no. yourself the best person that you can be. And if everybody was making themselves the best that they could be, the world would be a lot better place. So I always say, and I've said it repeatedly, I'll say it again. You are your greatest asset. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Well, I guess with those words of wisdom, we're, we, you know, we've we've had almost two hours today, and it's a it's a it's a nice discussion. And uh, listen, I guess the next one we'll have more of uh, of Doctor to Scott. Listen, let's make Doctor come back, you know, a few times because I think we can have a few sessions Definitely. with him, even if it's half hours to to discuss different pieces of this. Yes. Uh, it will benefit a lot of people out there because he's also a professor and his mm -hmm. approach is in the research. And so it's not just the guy that, that does the treatment. He's really on the back end of things and, and he can see the visual of the future. He also teaches the next generation, you know, so absolutely that, absolutely. that will be a whole new opportunity. And then I guess the next time we'll have, uh, you know, our uh, celebrity, you know, guest. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Jay Anthony, Anthony Brown will, will bring him, uh, him on and, um, we will get his perspective on how humor has helped him to cope with his own diagnosis. Well, yes, doctor, but also just for our audiences, this is like a quick promo here. He is actually, I mean, he's been on the Steve Harvey show. He started with, uh, with our senior hall. I mean, he's been all over the place, you know, so he is a funny guy. He is a fun, he's a comedian, artist, singer, you name it. So, so just look out for the show. I mean, that, I mean, we, we were hoping to have him today, but you know, things happen, uh, you know, it's a busy life, right? But, uh, we're entertaining you for now, but but get, let's catch the next one. And I think we'll have a great time with, with, with our next, you know, guest and many guests to come. So yeah, we tuned. have some exciting, exciting guests in, in the lineups. And uh, I, I think that you are going to enjoy these shows more and more and, and more because we have some, some really interesting people coming in. We're getting just started, right? <laughs> we are just getting Get started. started. That's it. So here we are. This is Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. I am your show host, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, the celebrity doc here with Hisham Ellen Monty, Hurricane H. And we hope that you will come back and join us again and again and again. Tell your friends. <laughs> Hurricane is just absolutely wonderful in putting together these really nifty looking show promos, the little flashers and, and things going on. So watch your watch your Instagram, watch your Facebook, watch whatever social media you're on, and you'll see these very beautiful pieces of artwork that will be announcing the shows that are that are coming up. I'm losing a dog overboard here. Uh, don't you guys start. 
Um, but you know, you'll you'll see those. They'll tell us which shows are are, are coming uh, forward. Share those when they come to you. Share them with your friends. Like them. Comment on them. Uh, we want this to to be an audience participation kind of of sport. So join us again, and we will be coming back at you. Chatters that matters. Let's talk about it. See ya. See you, everyone. Bye. We'll talk soon.